Thank you for joining the online ministry of New Life Fellowship. May you be blessed by the Word of God. If you have your handout now, you'll need a supplement. The supplement is your Bible. And I'm going to read for you. Now, the first lesson, we talked about the removal of certain things in your life. So spirituality or living a spiritual, healthy life is what this month entails. In fact, really it's the pursuit of our entire existence to be spiritually minded. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace in the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to presume that everyone who attends a church is spiritually minded. But I will say, hopefully, prayerfully, that we are all striving to have the mind of Christ and to be kingdom-minded and spiritually minded. This is a transformation by will. It's by design. And so I'm intently after that. The second lesson we covered was, was what spiritual aspects produce. A few fallacies in it. And so we covered multiple different aspects of what must be removed, and a few things that it will produce when those elements are removed. Just very quickly, gather your mind right now and think about the Lord just right now, just very quickly. Take every thought into captivity just right now. In that one instance that I just said, that's, that's how intently you have to be if you're going to be spiritually minded, you have to take control of your thought, your attention. Because this is not a common cold. It won't just jump on you. You can't just lay on your Bible at nighttime and become spiritual. You're going to have to work at that. This lesson and next week is more intense. And I'm going to present some things that are very intense. It's not for the weak of heart. And the shallow individual will certainly reject what I'm going to teach you this week and next week. Because we're going to discover and work on spiritual depth. There is a time, we're going to get into it next week, when you're a child and you speak like a child and you talk like a child and you behave like a child. This is what Paul wrote. But when I became a man, he said, I put away childish Things. Amen. So, age is not the prerequisite for spiritual depth, which means that just because you're older does not make you spiritual, and just because you're younger doesn't mean you can't have spiritual depth. You can have spiritual depth. All of the 12, 13 year olds, you can have spiritual depth. And I want you to. I can point to a host of young people in the Bible that were spiritually inclined because they purposed in their heart to be so. So we're going to go as deep as I feel like we can uh, in the next two weeks, this week and next. So I'm going to read from the book of Judges, and I want to put some things into context. There's some words here that, that um, we don't normally use, and I'll get through them. And I'm reading from the verse... 
it's not on your handout, but I'm going to start with verse 1. I've listed verse 7, but I'm going to read from Judges chapter 17, verse 1, just so you can see this context. And I'll, I'll give the narrative as I go along, okay? So this is Judges chapter 17 and verse number 1. Now these two names that I'm going to read are not the names of the men you are familiar with. We're not talking about Jonathan, the son of Saul, the covenant friend of David. We're not talking about Micah, the prophet that wrote the book. These are similar names, but they're not the same people. Okay? And there was a man of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah. He said unto his mother, The eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from, from thee, about which thou cursed, cur- cursest, which means that somebody took the eleven hundred shekels and you put a curse on them, spake of also in mine ears, you told me this. Behold, I took it. <laughs> I took it. I'm, I'm the one who stole the eleven hundred shekels. Everybody with me now? And what did mama say? That's okay, son. Blessed be the Lord. This is, a, this is a foolish woman without correction for her son. So there's the first problem right there. He steals 1,100 shekels, and she said, Blessed be thou the Lord of the Lord, my son. And when he had restored the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, gave him back, because he didn't want to be cursed, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord from my hand from my son. That sounds really spiritual. I dedicated this 1,100 shekels. But let's look how spiritual she is. To make a graven image and a molten image. Now therefore will I restore it unto thee. So you can make these images. Of course, now all of a sudden, immediately we know, this is not a spiritual mother, even though she interjects the name of the Lord because they are going to make idolatry or idols. Yet he restored the money unto his mother and his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the founder, that means the person who makes uh, the images, who made thereof a graven image and a molten image and they were in the house of Micah. So Micah has established a house with idols and, and Mama gave him the money to do it. And the man Micah had and house of gods, he made an ephod, that's very similar to what the high priest would have worn in teraphim, consecrated one of his sons, became his priest. So he had, this was a family thing. Mom gave the money, mom had the money, he stole the money, gave the money back, mom gave money back to make gods. Micah said, well, I've made the gods, but I need a priest to kind of do the service of this. In those days, there was no king of Israel, but every man did that which was right in his, own, in his own eyes. So this is just an indication. Almost the last, uh, verse 6, uh, stanza B, uh, tells us that everything that was done from verse 1 to verse 6, stanza A, was incorrect. Now we're on your handout, because I put it in context. And there was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah. Of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, he sojourned there, or he came from there. And the man departed out of the city from Bethlehem, Judah, to sojourn where he could find a place. There is a very key word. We're going to see that again. He came to Mount Ephraim to the house of Micah as he sojourned. So on his journey, he leaves 
his family. He leaves Judah. He's now going to Ephraim. And he's looking for a place. And Micah meets him and he says unto him, Whence comest thou? Where did you come from? And he said, I'm a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah. And I go to sojourn where I might, hear it again, where I may find a place. Those are key words. Verse 10. And Micah said to him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a father and a priest. And I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year. So in other words, I'm going to pay you ten shekels a year. And not just that, I'm going to give you clothes, a suit of apparel, victuals, that's food. So the Levite went in. He went in. And the Levite was content. Everyone say content. This is very key. To dwell with the man. And the young man was unto him as one of his sons. And Micah consented. I'm sorry. Micah Micah consecrated the Levite. And the young man became his priest. And was in the house of Micah. Then said Micah. Now I know that the Lord will do good. Will, will, will do me good, seeing I have a Levite. See, once again, injection of the Lord. I have a Levite as my priest, or, or I've hired one. Okay. So, I just want to walk down this path with you of these two men that stand in opposition to one another. There is, um, there is a, we'll get back to, to this page, but I, uh, the, the next verse in Judges 18, but I really want you to look at ver, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Now, the book of Samuel opens up with a woman who cannot have a baby. Um, her husband has two wives, and much like uh, Jacob um, with uh, Rachel and, and, and uh, Leah, uh, Hannah is barren. Hannah prays very fervently for a child, and finally the Lord grants her her desire so she makes a commitment that her husband will actually help her with to return Samuel back to the Lord to serve the Lord. And in verse 18, this is on your handout, but Samuel ministered before the Lord being a child girded with a linen ephod. So from the very earliest of times, Samuel is placed in the temple and he is serving the Lord. Moreover, his mother, this is Hannah, made him a little coat. This is an indication of just his age, though the specific age is not mentioned. But we're talking about a child. Brought it to him from year to year. So every year she'd make a new coat as he was growing. And when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. This was in the plan of Elkanah. This is the father. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went into their own home. So in other words, because they had done this, Eli was praying that they'd have more children. You've, you've handed your son to the Lord. Now there are people today, much like years ago. This, this is a cyclical thing. There is nothing new under the sun. Many people have gone to lectures just like this. They've been engaged in churches just like this for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, there are people that, that have gone to seminars and, and, and religious settings, homes, uh, auditoriums, small and large places just like this. And they 
have responded in just a couple of ways. In the response of it, there are people who become very spiritually minded. And there are others who just kind of live off of the overflow of whoever is making the sacrifice. There are times when leaders uh, across, the, across the board and in, in the church, in the congregation, have a deep commitment to God. And so other folks draft uh, from them. They, 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 it's, it, they, they gain strength from them. When we were young, people, people would shout and dance and some would give a testimony and others would never do anything. But they came because they, they loved the feeling and they gained strength from someone else. But they themselves never made a strong commitment to be spiritual. Now there are a couple of different path, paths to the spiritual inclination. And it comes with great sobriety. It comes with great intent to be spiritual. Uh, there are folks who inherently, I shouldn't say, but they intently don't want to be spiritual. They, they reject all spirituality because they really love their lifestyle. But to be spiritually minded means that you have to turn away from everything that's carnally minded. And your natural inclination is flesh and carnality. We make excuses for ourselves so that we can continue to do what we want to do. We're very good at that. And then when those excuses run out, then we'll say, well, God's not going to send me to hell over this thing. So now we are going to put ourselves in the judgment seat of God just so that we don't have to be holy or, or completely sold out to the kingdom. And the kingdom makes great demand of us. Now, I'm going to present some paths, a, a primary and a secondary path. And in some ways, this is very methodical. Um, it's almost pragmatic. There's a primary path, and this is what I'm teaching because I've, 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 I've long since left the days of accommodating people that make a mistake, and, and I withhold the right words from those who've never been there. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's adult class. If someone walks in the church and they have, they have had an abortion. If they've had that experience. I am still going to preach against having an abortion. I'm not trying to be offensive to those who've had that in their past. All I can say to you. If you listen to me. If you hear me. If someone has experienced that. And I don't know that. Um. Repent of that, put it in God's hands, and from here on, live for the Lord. If you've gone through divorce, I'm not going to accommodate people because I'm afraid that if I say something, it'll offend someone who's been through divorce. Because we don't want anyone to go through divorce, but if you have had to go through divorce, just know this, whether it was your fault or not, from this moment on, just live for the Lord right, and let me speak to the others who don't need to go through that. If you've been an alcoholic, or you've been involved in all kinds of illicit things, allow me the opportunity to speak about it. If you've had a baby out of wedlock, okay, we'll dedicate you and the baby to Jesus Christ, but I'm still, I still have to talk about don't have premarital sex. If I'm afraid to offend someone, 
then what we'll do is we'll accommodate everyone and sink to the lowest common denominator. Now, if you've gone through sin and you've had issues and you have problems in your life and you've come to God, just know this. You're blood-bought. You're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You are a new creature. Let me just tell you, when you stop being a new creature, you stop being a new creature when you come alive to your past mistakes and you don't want anyone to talk about what you went through. <laughs> well, okay. A little feisty tonight. <laughs> but I, 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 I want to share with you that I do believe that there were some bells on the bottom of the high priest's robe. I think that's true. But there is no scripture in the Bible that says they tied a rope around his waist. In case he died, they'd pull him out of the Holy of Holies. There are no ropes. Now that's a misnomer. That's been written. It's been on the internet. But just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true. I've talked to many Jewish scholars. I've scoured the scripture. They said, well, you couldn't go back into the Holy of Holies. That's not true either. You could go into the Holy of Holies when the cloud wasn't there because they had to move the Ark of the Covenant and tear it all down. So if by chance the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and he was impure and the spirit, the cloud, killed him dead there, they're going to recover his body at some juncture when the cloud lifts. And they're also going to recover the Ark of the Covenant and they're going to carry the Ark of the Covenant to the next place that the cloud rests. Because they're going to dismantle the whole tabernacle. So if there are no ropes on the high priest, don't put a rope on me. Because <laughs> it's not in the Bible and it ought not be in this church. I ought to be able to preach against sin and degradation without fear of reprisal from the people who've been there. How can anybody come out if we're not talking about that sin, that's, that's debauchery, at some juncture, the church has got to be a living organism of the body of Jesus Christ, holy and separate from the world. And to that end, I, don't, I have no plans to be political. But when I speak about abortion, this is not a subject of politics. This is the subject that was found in the Old Testament where they killed their babies before Molech. I was before the introduction of the United States, ladies and gentlemen. Molech was a big god. They created this god. His belly was open. They put a fire in the pit of his belly, a massive thing. And they would pass the children, the baby, through the fire. The, 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 the fire would kill the baby when they put the baby inside the belly of Molech. Go read in your Bible. And the next verse talks about, about homosexuality. Now, that's not political. That's Bible. This is Bible. You get off my Bible, and I'll get out of your politics. Now, if you want to be spiritual, you got to go back to the scripture. If you want to be carnal, then you get into the political angle of that. David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He knew my parts in my mother's womb. All right. So, how do I handle that? I'm giving you the path that is the primary path. But there are other paths to take. I'll, I'll, I'll share with you the primary path for all those who haven't, who, who've, never, who've never had another path. 
get married to someone that loves the Lord. And it's devoted to God. And all the mamas and dads who have children, you want that. You don't want your kids to marry a bum. Now listen, I don't really know if I should say this word or not. because I'm not exactly sure what it means. <laughs> you don't want your sons to marry some hoochie mama. I'm not exactly sure what, if, if I should say that or not. But you don't want, you don't want that. From your reaction, I, I can tell it's probably unsavory. And you, and you, <laughs> you obviously know more than I do. And you don't want your daughters to marry some bum, some lazy, no good bum who doesn't care about God. All he does is look at porn every day when you're not around. You know he does, but you don't, you don't want that, right? You don't want that. So let me just tell you, you marry someone who loves the Lord. And, and if they don't love the Lord, then you don't marry them. You don't date them. And when you do get married, <laughs> and when you do get married, here's the primary path. You have children and you dedicate them before the Lord and you come. I'm talking about spiritual health. If you want to get serious, let's get serious. You're going to have carnal children if you don't worship God and you don't give God your best. Your boys and your girls and your sons and your grandsons and your granddaughters, they're not going to, they won't. They won't live the primary path because you've lived half-heartedly. Go ahead. You, 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 you want to have a good home? You, you, want the, you want your kids to love the people in the church? Don't serve the congregation or the people in the church for Sunday afternoon dinner. Because, of course, you're not the first person to do it. But if you do it, let me just tell you, some people have roast beef. Some people have chicken. Some people have pasta. Some people have fish. Some people have other people. You get around the table and all of a sudden you're criticizing everybody in the church. And then you wonder why your kids don't love the Lord. And why they're not sold out. And why they don't have respect and honor. The last thing you want to do is criticize the ministry. Uh, Oh, this is is self-serving. The last thing you want to do is talk bad about your pastor. How do you expect them to receive the word of the Lord if you have no respect and you have no honor? I'm talking about the primary path. You want the primary path? I'll tell you how you do it. Here's how you do it. You get in the church. You love God. You never miss a service. You get involved in anything you can get involved in. You don't complain. You praise God. You give God your all. And you get all the carnality out of your life. Otherwise, you're going to struggle. Okay, just caffeine. I don't know. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go back to this. That way we, we can calm down a little bit. I, I'm not done with that, but here's your primary path. And this is the primary path of Samuel. It was parental commitment. Parents make commitments. Now let me just refute the idea that kids should decide, children should decide who they are, how they identify, what their worldview is. They do not know. Your brain is actually not fully formed until you're 28 years old. That's scientific fact. The largest rite of passage happens between 18 and 22. For some, it's 18 and 23. That's right. 
So intellectually and, 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 and experientially, uh, most good leaders don't begin until they're 30 years old. We can see Samuel, David, Jesus, and a host of other people. Why? Because you have to have some experience to lead other people. The parental commitment comes first. Samson had no choice whether or not he was going to take the Nazarite vow. It was his parents that did that. Samson became a judge of Israel because of his parents' commitment. He had nothing to do with it. Until the day that he could think for himself. The best home is the home where the parents take charge. It's the best home is where the parents don't give their children an option whether or not they want to come to church. The best home is where the, where the father says, listen, I will do all of this, but as long as you're living here, you're going to come to church and act interested. This is the primary path. This is what happened, really. Because Elkanah and Hannah made the commitment for Samuel. He did not make his commitment. The second part of the, the primary path is internal encouragement. Because not only is there a commitment, but there is an encouragement at home or beyond or outside of the realm of the house. Let's encourage one another to do good. In fact, the Bible says, provoke one another to do good or good works. The Bible also says, provoke not your children to wrath. So there is some provoking. It just depends on how you provoke. And number three is follow through. Everyone say follow through. Follow through is very, very important. It means that you're putting into action a verbal commitment. Anyone can declare themselves something. Anyone can say they believe. Many people make verbal declarations. Watch, watch. But it's the follow through in racquetball. When you hit the ball, if you stop, when you hit it, you have no idea where the, you, you lose things. You lose velocity. And you lose direction. But a follow-through, forehand or backhand, the follow-through gives velocity and gives direction. That means you'll have, you'll have speed and you'll have purpose. You'll have knowledge of where you're going. Follow-through means I make a verbal commitment with my mouth. I write something down. I say I will and then I follow through. Follow-through is what happens when you say I do. The lack of follow-through means you have no direction. And you won't go anywhere. So you put into action. And the primary path is a follow-through not made by the actual person who is, who is engaged. It's for the child. I am following through on my commitment for my sons, for my daughter. Until the day when they have to take it up and they have to do it by themselves. I make a commitment to them. Not for them to be spiritual, but for them to be in the house where the spirit dwells. (laughs) The primary aspect of this first path is, is the parent, he or she or they. Not the child. That's the primary path. And this is exactly what happened to Samuel. Samuel, when he was of an age where he could care for himself in whatever measure. We do not know what age that is, but, but we, could, we could accurately say somewhere between five and ten years old, somewhere in that range. Um, then Samuel is given over. Now, there's, there's two people in Samuel's life that propels him, a prayerful mother and a faithful father. And the father, every year, went to the temple to make a sacrifice before the Lord. 
He didn't go because the temple was right. He didn't go because everything was, was good. In fact, he went in spite of the high priest's sons. Hophni and Phinehas were adulterers and fornicators and thieves. And they were notorious about what they were doing in the temple. Everybody knew. But it did not mean that Elkanah said, well, I'm not going because guess how bad it is over there. I know that I should bring my sacrifice, but I'm not investing in that because I know what's going on. No. Every year, Elkanah was faithful. He had every reason not to go, but he said, oh no, I'm not going to let the character, the poor character of the leadership keep me from making my sacrifice. And mama goes and she prays. And when she gets to praying, she gets into some kind of prayer groan. And the high priest comes along and accuses her of being drunk. And he says to her, Eli actually says, if you're going to come here, don't be drink, drink at home. Get drunk at home. Now, how would you like that if the preacher saw or thought you were drinking and you were groaning, what would your response be? Now, many people, for far less, would just say, well, he, he don't, he's, he's, un, he's not spiritual. He doesn't know. I'm tired of being accused. I'm, I'm praying for something. And, and he's not even sensitive to my prayers. But she did not rebuff the high priest. And said she, instead, she said, oh, no, sir. No, 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 no. I'm just, I, your handmaiden, I'm just groaning for a son. Oh, okay, okay. All right. She goes home. She has a baby. She makes a commitment. And where does she bring her son? Back into, puts Samuel into the hands of the very man who was insensitive. Why? Why is Elkanah giving sacrifices and Hannah bringing her only son back into the temple? Because they trusted God is going to take care of him. So it grieves me when people make excuses about why they're not involved. Obviously, you haven't read the scripture and you don't trust God. And I don't know what's going on, but there's a, far, there's a lot far less problems in this house than was at Shiloh. <laughs> it's just my opinion. <laughs> but I think so. And I think we've got to get this right. And when we rebuff that, we become carnal and not spiritual. I'm talking about spiritual depth. I'm talking about being deep in the spirit. That the trivial, minimal, petty things don't bother you. That you have such great faith and trust in God. And you have, you have prepared your home for the things of God. Samuel was raised for the purpose of temple service. He was not raised to be the next high priest. Oh, no, he was not. But servanthood led him to leadership. Servanthood will lead you to leadership. This is a problem that's afflicted many of us because we want leadership by design. Servanthood leads you to leadership. And if, and if I read this in a historical setting, it looks like the broom, the dustpan, the polishing cloth was what was put in his hand to begin with. He cleaned the utensils. He prepared the garments of the high priest. 
Amen. And that led him. But he wasn't put there with the idea, you're going to be the next high priest. No, no. He was there on loan, and the loan was never recalled. Amen. Let me just say to parents here, the very best thing that could ever happen to your son or your daughter is that they would enter the ministry, not the secular world. I knew I was going to get to that, and I'm going to, tell, I'm going to say it again, because there's already, and I knew before I said it, there's going to be a, a resistance to this. The very best thing your son or your daughter could ever enter in is to the ministry. Not an attorney, not a doctor, not an engineer, not a business owner, but the ministry. The ministry is higher than any president that's ever graced any office or prime minister around the world. There are a couple of things here. I think I'm turning your page here. There are a couple of things that are attributes. They are primary uh, to the recipients. The first thing is expectation. I've said this to my children many times, and now they're, they're young adults. I don't expect them to be preachers, but I expect them to be Bible teachers. I don't expect them to lead congregations, but I expect them to be leaders. I don't expect them to preach conferences, but I expect them to preach the gospel no matter where they are. If you set your expectations high, there's something to achieve. If you set no expectations, there will be no achievement in the kingdom. We're talking about kingdom. Let me just tell you, we're going to need a host of people that are soul winners and Bible teachers if we're going to do what God wants us to do in these last days of time. Fervent, fiery, passionate, sold out, giving everything, loving God, doing the work of the kingdom, knocking on doors, knocking on lives, teaching every, willing to be rejected, getting back up when they're pushed down. We're going to need you to make a commitment, a lifetime commitment. I want to say this in, in, in the company of all of you. I will repeat myself multiple times throughout every year something you've already heard before. But many times because I notice someone here that's never heard it. Just accommodate me because it's for their benefit. So I want to say this one more time. And I'll say it again next month and every month. If you'll give yourself to this house and never miss for 10 years, I promise you, you'll look back and your whole life will be different. In fact, if you just give one year and you never miss one prayer meeting, one Bible study, or one service, God will do something in your life. You'll look back and see yourself and say, I don't remember that person. Who is that person? You're going to one day look in, that, in a picture at a picture and you're going to look at yourself and say, yes, I remember that day, but I don't remember who I was because there is a saturation of the constitution of your life and your mind and your spirit. Now I repeat that and many other things for the benefit of one. A spiritually minded church don't mind because they know we're going to be talking about Acts 2.38. We're going to talk about baptism next month. We're going to talk about Holy Ghost. We're going to talk about the oneness of God, that there is only one God, that Jesus is the mighty God in Christ. We're going to be talking about prayer and fasting all the time. That's right. It's expectation. And the second part is training or preparation. 
Because both of those things were instituted and instilled in the life of Samuel. His parents had a primary path. And the primary path was that they, they had an expectation and put it in his mind. You're going to go to the temple. Hey, hey Sam, Sammy, Sammy, Samuel. You're going to one day work in the temple. You're going to be with the high priest. Let's learn how to fold this garment, this linen. Someday you're going to be folding this, these linens in the temple. He had an expectation because they put it in him. And they prepared him for the day that they gave him over to the work of the temple. What it... What do we have an expectation for? What are you in training for? What do, you, what do you expect the Lord to do in your life? What do you expect out of yourself? Maybe you're in a position today where the primary is not your path. You've got to find another secondary. I, I want you to skip down to the secondary. I know I have something between, but I want to skip down to the secondary. Because the secondary is self-initiated. It's self-initiated. Because if, because if you weren't raised in this, and no one brought you in this, and you weren't dedicated in this, then you're going to have to initiate something yourself. And you're going to say, I'm going to do this. This is going to be my life. You've got to determine that. You have to expect, I'm going to be different. I'm not going to be carnal. I'm not going to look at carnal things. I'm not going to look at worldly things. I'm not going to listen to worldly things. I'm not going to be involved with worldly people. I'm not going to be influenced by the things of this world. It's self-initiated. I, I, I think outside of some medical issues, almost everyone can, can lose five pounds. I think outside of some medical issues, anyone can walk one mile. Outside of maybe some issues, any, anyone can read a book. <laughs> it just it depends on whether or not you want to. A- anyone can balance a checkbook. Anybody. Just, it takes self-initiative. Anyone can be kind. You just have to form the right words in your mouth and take some other things out. Anyone can give a compliment, a proper compliment. You know, you look nice today. I really appreciate you. A good compliment. Anyone can do that. It's, it's initiated. You can do that if you want to. You can be spiritual if you want to. If you don't want to, there's no church, no program, no preacher that's going to force you into that. And if it's emotionally led, that emotion could go up way high and then can come right back down. And we want that emotional, but we also want a determination. No I'm not going to just wait for the next good service before the Lord moves on me and I make a commitment. I'm making it now. And if the service comes, I'm going to already be up there because my emotions are not going to just follow me. It's what I know is going to follow me. Amen. And so for Samuel, there's no, no options. But for the, for the secondary pursuit, you may not have parents. You may not have people that, that lead you. You may not have anyone who gave you that expectation. But you can start now. And the second part is there's a learned behavior by intention. So not only do you initiate it, but there's an intention. I have an intention. This is my intentional path, my intentional thought. 
I have two parents that came into this faith from very different backgrounds. My father's father and mother were atheist, maybe agnostic. My grandmother, Harpole, smoked herself to death. My grandfather, Harpole, was a functioning alcoholic. I never, ever remember seeing him ever without a glass of beer in his hand. He never drank from, from the can. He always had, had, a, had a white glass with a frosted top. I can see that skinny glass uh, in my mind just so, so vividly even right now. My father had, my grandparents, Harpo grandparents, never heard my father preach ever. They never ever came to one service, not one. They never knew or cared what he was doing. And to my best knowledge, they never even walked into the sanctuary, any of the buildings that dad pastored ever. He had zero support. He had zero help. No one was helping him. No one was supporting him. They, they didn't care if he was there or not. They had no pride. They had no gladness that he was a preacher or a pastor. They never asked him about the church. Never, ever. Never, never. My mother came from an Italian background. When she came into the church and wanted to get married, not one cousin, not one of her family members would ever be in the wedding. They said, oh no, if you're not going to be Catholic, we're not going to be at the wedding. And all of them stayed away. They had zero support. Zero. The second path was theirs. The first path was mine. I didn't make the path. I only just heard them saying, you're going to be a soul winner. You're going to be a singer. You're going to be a leader. But no one ever told them that. No one. So if it's the, if it's the secondary path, then you have to have some self-support. And it comes from your heartfelt desire. Just get it in your heart and say, this is who I am. Here's where I'm going to be. Here's what I'm going to do. No, you do not have to be perfect. No, you do not have to have everything together. But you just get up every day and you strive. And you say, this is in my heart. This is where I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to do. But if you want to get deep in the spirit, you can get deep in the spirit. Let me just... It's not on your paper, but let me just tell you a couple things you have to do. You have to read your Bible and you have to pray. You, you don't know anything about the Spirit till you pray in the Spirit. You don't know anything about the Lord till you read what the Lord wrote. He said it. It's his book. He's the author. He's the author of the Scripture. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. You got to get in the book. You got to get into prayer. If you really want to be spiritual... You got to stop asking people for advice and you got to get in that prayer room and put your face in that, in a seat and pray that God would speak to you. And if he doesn't talk to you in the first day, stay there every day, get there every day, not just in January, but in March and April and August and September and have some prayer time and get on your knees and pray until you start hearing the voice of God. And when you start hearing the voice of God, you'll know that he is always congruent or in conjunction with his word. And if the preacher is preaching the word, you're going to hear the voice of the Lord speaking through the preacher because he's in the book. Amen. And if you don't want to know where the spirit is, well, the Bible says now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So if you have liberty in the spirit, you know the Lord's there. That's where you want to be. Amen. Amen. Because it's not always the initial path. It's not always the primary path. I mean, I, if, I can, if I can say this, uh, Mike and Darcy 
came secondarily. They, they found it later. But, but when, when they had the baby, and I've always said baby Hadley, she's going to be 30 years old. I'm going to look at her. I'm going to, when, when, someday when she walks down the aisle, I'm going to say, oh, baby Hadley, do you take this man, baby Hadley? To be your lawfully wedded husband, baby Hadley. Sorry, that's her whole name is actually Baby Hadley. That's her actual name. But Baby Hadley is, is, is in the first seat, is in, the, is, is in the primary path. You're in the secondary path. But you're in the first seat and she's in the second. The path is different. I'm, I'm in the second seat with Baby Hadley. But you're in the first seat with Bill and Rosalie Harpo. Billy and Rosie, as they're affectionately called. Amen. Are you getting this now? Do you understand that you're going, to have to, you're going to have to have a heart for it? If your parents don't have a heart for it, you can have a heart for it. If, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if your neighbors don't love it, if your wife doesn't love it, you can love it. You got to love it. You got you to you do it. If your kids reject it, don't reject it. Love the Lord. Love the church. Be involved. Have a heart. Say, I'm going to do it. I don't care. If everyone talks bad about me, I'm still going to do it. If I lose all of my friends, I'm still going to be involved. I'm still going to be there. I'm looking for people that can't be run out. They can't be chased out. Not the church. not, Not the hypocrite. Not the devil. Not the world. I'm looking for spiritual people. Amen. That's what we're pushing for. That's what I'm, that's what I'm fighting for. Uh, I, I, I'd like to, I, I want to get back to, to this, but I, I feel like maybe we should just talk about a couple common obstacles that happen, especially for those who are coming by themselves or, or maybe no one's supporting. There's, a, there's, there's always some obstacles, and some obstacles are impure leads. That means that leaders are around you, they're, they're not, they don't have the right heart. They're, they're wrong. They're, they're, there can be obstacles. There, there can be people who, who act like they're, that they're leaders, or maybe they are, and, and, but they're not pure. And so this is an obstacle that happens, and it's very common happens in all kinds of venues and places and people have bosses that are and 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 owners of companies that they're not good people happens in every in in every um every area of life and it happens in churches it happens in homes it happens um it happens among family members the second is personal conflict the common common things are personal conflict you know some people um i just spoke about those personal conflict happens through self condemnation a uh, personal conflict may, maybe you've got a lot of skeletons in your closet and you've asked god to forgive you you've been baptized in the name of jesus washing away your sins you called on the name of the lord but, but there are some things you're struggling with in your past. Or, or maybe there's some personal conflicts in you that, 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 that doesn't have to do with other people. Just some personal issues in your own life. And those are obstacles in, in, in your life. Um, and, and there could be environments, uncertain environments. You know, people come from very diverse areas or places where, where uh, the environment is not a very good, it's not a wholesome place. And and there's a lot of struggle there. These are obstacles that happen. There's a lot of struggle. You know, not everyone uh, comes from a very peaceful home. And there can be a lot of wrangling of the spirit and a lot of issues in, in, in homes where you just, you can't get out of that environment because that's where you live. And so this is an obstacle. And finally, there's another obstacle. It's, it's, it's um, um, you, you, you have 
discouragement. And, and discouragement comes in, in multiple forms where you, you want it to be somewhere beyond where you are now. And you've had setbacks and you've worked for the Lord. You've done everything you can, but you've had setbacks. You get so far, but it seems like, seems like it pushed back. And then you try. And, 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 and this almost is, is like a repeated cycle that you go through. These obstacles happen over and over and over again. And and, and, and they're very common. You're not the only one. You're not the only one who falls down and makes a mistake. You're not the only one who gets discouraged. You're not the only one who has to battle through a bunch of environmental issues where, where you're trying to get to God and something's always, always in the way. You're, you're, you're not the only one who, who, who's had to wade through some bad advice and some leaders that, that didn't have the right heart. You're not the only one who's had personal conflict, but you can be the one who climbs over that. I just want you to know there's always going to be a conflict. In fact, I've watched people come to church. They found the Lord. They're doing great. They go back to the family and their family has said, we liked you better when you were a drug addict. We liked you better when you were at the bar and you come home drunk and you couldn't remember where you were the next day. Because the new life is, is, it, it, it condemns them. And so they would rather you not serve God. They would rather you not go to church. You'd rather not be committed. There's always going to be an obstacle. There's always an obstacle. Something is going to be in your way. From now and forever, there's always going to be something in your way. You've got to overcome those things, and you've got to be prepared. There's going to be something pressing against you. You can't live for God and desire spiritual depth and think that it's going to come easy. There's going to be a spiritual battle. You will be tempted. You will be accused. You will be lonely. There will be times you will, you will doubt yourself, but you've got to get over all of that. You've got to be prepared for it. Trust me when I tell you, it's not always easy, but you can make it. You can do it. You can make it. Amen. I want to talk a little bit tonight, and I'm, I'm running out of time, but I want to talk a little bit about Jonathan, the son of Gershom. Jonathan, the son of Gershom. He is a polar opposite of Samuel, though he had an easy path forward. It should not have been. But he leaves his home where his family lived. And he comes to a place. He is a Levite, but there's something about him that's different. He's identified, and he identifies himself as such. And he's looking for his own place. Uh, in a more literal term, he's looking for self-identification. He sought for individual recognition. I want my own. I want my own fame. He, he's obsessed with that. And that's why he leaves his home. Because back home, he's just one of the Levites. He's not content just to be a servant in the, in, in the tabernacle or, or among the people. He's not content. He feels like, I got to do my own thing. There are many people who feel that same way. They just can't live a wholesome spiritual life. They got to prove something to everybody. So they leave the safe house and they compromise themselves. Number two, he did compromise himself. He compromised the instructions of his grandfather. What was the instructions of his grandfather? It was the law of the Lord. Who is Jonathan, the son of Gershom? Well, you just have to find out in verse 30 of, of, of chapter 18. Gershom is the son of Moses. 
that means this Jonathan is the grandson of the greatest prophet that ever lived, Moses, the servant of the Lord. Think of that now. The grandson of Moses has left. And he is compromising, clearly compromising the instructions of the Lord. Now Micah and his mother, Micah the one who stole the 1,100 shekels of silver. They are corrupted. They are distorted. Maybe, just maybe, if I give them a pass, which I don't know that I can do that because the Bible in verse 6 does not. Maybe they just don't know any different. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around it. But I can tell you right now, Jonathan knew the difference. He knew the law of Moses because that's how he was raised with his grandfather's instruction. And he compromises himself. Number three, he becomes content to do evil. Because you see, after you compromise yourself, you're content to live worldly. And there are many people, they are they grace churches, but they are content to do wrong and to be carnal. I want to say, don't be content to come into this house and leave and live carnal. You can you gotta be discontented for that. No. You gotta say, there's one thing I'm not gonna do. I will not grow accustomed. To the carnality of this world. That's right. We get conditioned and numb. We get numb. Just say one cuss word. Just when you're mad. Just when you're mad, say a cuss word. And just say, well, just, you know, I slip up every once in a while. And then, and then when you get excited, use that cuss word again. And then hear it all the time on some media or show or movie. And just let it saturate your brain. And say, well, I don't. Use all those words. And little by little, you'll get accustomed to all that stuff until finally that'll become part of your vocabulary. Let me tell you how I learned how to pray. I learned how to pray by listening to my mother and my brother and my father pray. I didn't know what to say. But as I, as I heard their prayers and I got accustomed to the words they used and I was around people that knew how to pray, they taught me how to pray even though they didn't know they were teaching me. Our children learn how to cuss. How do they learn? Because dad or mom are using those words. And our kids learn how to pray because dad and mom in the church learn how to pray. You know how I learned how to shout and how to dance before the Lord? I was watching someone else do it. Because see, here at New Life Fellowship, we don't have a dance class. Although I'm not opposed to that. We just heretofore have not started the dance class. But If you want to know how to worship, how to pray, how to give, you can watch it happen right here. If you want to learn how to live carnal, compromise, find the people that are compromisers and live carnal and do all the nasty stuff and just follow them. And then then you'll learn how to be content with evil. Doing the things of God, really, but it's superficial and living evil. Let me tell you, let's not do it. We're going deep. We're going to go spiritual. We're going to go all out. We're going to give ourselves all the way, sold out to Jesus Christ. Amen. I know I'm racing the clock. He became a hireling. Number four, that means he was paid to do the work. He was paid. He was bought. He gave up the true Levite position. And he let the corrupted man buy him out. And finally, he followed corrupted or distorted leadership. Now, I'll challenge you. I, I want you to bring it to me. I preach the word and I teach the word. If 
I'm out of the book, let me know. I'm, I'm ready. If it's not in the Bible, I'm not going to preach it. But if it's in the scripture, we're going to talk about it. Now, that doesn't mean, that's just confidence in the word. Because I answer to God, and I answer to you. And I answer to my wife. And ultimately, when my mom's around, I answer to her too. I'm tired of answering to her, but I do answer to her too. <laughs> that's right. I'd just rather answer to God first. If I can get that right, then I'm, I'm fine. We're going to be in the book. you got to follow spiritual leadership. And you got to find someone who's sold out to the Lord. And then you got to be sold out. Because I'm not bringing you to heaven. You're not coming with me. My liftoff has one per vessel. <laughs> I'll show you the way through the scripture. But it's going to be up to you to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Nobody brings anyone to heaven. I'll show you how to get there. I'll lead the way. I'll try to be the best example I can be. But if you're going to go there, you need to work on it. Now, now one of the problems that you're going to have with me as from now until I die is that I've been doing this for a while. And so I have, I, 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 I have uh, less tolerance. I've tried to help a lot of people get to heaven who have no intention of going. And I'm really after hungry people. I'm after people who want to be saved. I'll, I'll, I'll help and tolerate for a little bit people who are half-hearted. But man, if that's how you're going to live, I don't have time. i got to find someone who's never been baptized in Jesus' name. See, here's my balance. How do I do this? People who are really not saved, they really don't care about the Lord or the church. They give nothing. They want something. Or the person who's never known anything about God. I, I'm, I'm not limitless. You're not limitless. I'm looking for people who are desperate, hungry for the Lord. They're going to say, I need the Lord. Just show me the way. That's where I want to put my time and my effort my energy. I want someone who wants to be spiritual and not carnal. So I, I hope this is not offensive, but if it is, then, then so be it. If you don't want to live for God, don't suck up my life. If you have no intention to be holy and living apart from this world, then, you, then, then don't come and try to gain something and take up the time that we only have limited time to reach someone who's never heard about Jesus, but you know about him. Oh, that's not gonna that's not gonna age well. I cannot uh, just save your letters, I know. I got it. And here's Jonathan. Jonathan had everything afforded to him. He had everything. He is exactly. Like almost all of you. He's had the teaching. Hey, you've got, the, you've got a phenomenal worship team. They're phenomenal. You've got musicians that are on point. You've got a building to worship in. Unlike most of the world. You've got people that love the Lord. You've got people who dedicate time and volunteer. You've got it all. We have it all. We have no excuse. If there's anyone without excuse, it's us. When the Lord comes back and says, well, what was your excuse? And what are you going to say when you're standing next to all those people in Ethiopia and all those people oppressed in China and all those believers that have been slaughtered and 
and sawn in half and beaten and stoned and burned and boiled in oil? What are you going to say when you're standing against the resurrected body of somebody who was tarred and feathered and wrapped around a post so that Caesar Nero could ride his chariot in the nighttime and have light? What are you going to say? Well, you know, I, I, I just had a lot going on. You did? That's why you weren't sold out? That's why you weren't spiritual? Well, because someone else in the church, they just hurt my feelings. Really? Well, then maybe you didn't die. Maybe you were still alive. You got to go back to the altar and die and die until your flesh is dead. Have you, ever, have you ever said to a dead person, you look ugly? Have you ever looked at someone in the casket and said, man, you don't even look like yourself. And I never liked you anyway. And did that dead person ever get up and say, well, well, you're just no good. No, that dead person didn't respond because they're dead. And the reason why people can hurt your feelings is because you're alive and you didn't die. And if you need a little lesson, you get a mirror and you look in that mirror and you say to, you say to the person looking back, looking back at you, you say, die. In the morning, you say, die until you get all the flesh out of your system. And you get sold out to the Lord. And you say to yourself, I have no excuse but to serve God. I got a preacher. I got music. I got a building. I got a prayer room. I got an altar. I got a, I've got all of it. That's right. Amen. Amen. This is, this is the objective, and I'll end here. You serve without reward. You serve without expectation of reward. Young people, serve the Lord and be a volunteer in the church without ever thinking that you're going to get something back from it. This is your church. Young ladies, this is your house. Take care of the house of God. Now, I hope your bedrooms are clean and you don't have... French fries smashed on the floorboard of your backseat of your car. But if that's the case, treat the church better than you treat your own, your own material possessions. I don't, I don't know if you can do that or not. I, I'd like you to clean your car out. But, but if you can't, just know this. This is your church. This is your house. This has got to go on. This is contingent upon you, not on me. You can do this. If you're gonna, we're gonna have a spiritual church. I'm gonna need some grandmothers and grandfathers that will teach us how to pray, worship, sacrifice. If you can't jump, you can march. If you can't march, you can walk. If you can't walk, you can stand. If you're in a wheelchair, just get that thing down and just go back and do something. Here's, here's your disadvantage. I was raised in a church that was on fire. I will die in the ashes. I have an expectation that someone's going to get baptized. Someone's going to get the Holy Ghost. Someone's going to get healed every Sunday. I'm not content. I'm not content. We got to fill this place with as many people as here tonight. We got to fill it next week with just twice as many people. And every, every Wednesday night, you got to go find somebody and, and ask them to come to church. You got to ask them to come to your house. You got to talk to them about the Lord. And you have to serve. Everyone must be serving somewhere. Amen. If, if you don't have a place to serve, then, then just do something that you can do and you know to do 
that will fulfill the definition. There's multiple places. There's cleaning. There's the food pantry. There's the inside, the outside. If, if, if it's not here in this building, then get on the phone and encourage everybody to be here together. Amen. And then number two is you have to use what is available. Now, look, I don't know how he did it, but for the duration of his administration, Samuel never made a sacrifice before the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was stolen when Eli died, and it was never returned to Shiloh. But for the duration of his life, Samuel served the Lord in a house without the Ark. The entire administration of King Saul, the Bible says he never inquired after the Ark of the Covenant. That is a sad commentary. However, Samuel did not let that inhibit him from serving the Lord. He did not have the prized possession that everyone else had, but he was still a powerful man of God because he used everything he could. So if things are not just right, don't let that inhibit you from serving the Lord and being used in the house of God. It may not always be right. And if you don't feel the Spirit, then just know he is still God and you got to serve him no matter if you feel like it or if you don't feel like it. And if the preacher is off, if you find one good thing, just shout amen. If he says one good thing at the end, then shout, shout with a great voice and thank God and pray that next week it'll be better. And if you say, well, no one got the Holy Ghost last week, well, then find somebody. And if you can't find somebody, just come back and get it again yourself. I don't know how that's possible, but speaking tongues all over again. This idea that everything's got to be right and everything's got to be good and we got to have all the stuff. Man, we've got greeters and we've got people. We've got the air conditioning. We've got the heater. we all the stuff. But what if it's not right? Man, can I just say we are so spoiled. We think everything's got to be good and I'm not worshiping until I hear my favorite song and I don't really like the way that guy preaches and man, can someone else do that? And that, that sound a little off and this, is, this volume is not right and someone didn't greet me over there and I don't know what, where is it, why isn't this room occupied and I can't find a bulletin. Listen, it may not always be right, but you got to know the spirit of the Lord is in the house. If Samuel could serve God without the Ark of the Covenant, surely we can serve God when it's not all right. Use what you have in your hand. I'm hearing this from people. I just want to be somewhere where I can be used. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I, I grieve when I hear those words. What do you mean be used? You mean have a position because God's ready to use you right now. Here's what he wants the only prayer request of Jesus was, pray the Lord of Father for laborers. What's my prayer request? Well, I want the Lord to use me. Well, what did, what did Jesus pray for? He prayed, uh, there's a couple prayers. He prayed for Peter that the devil wouldn't, wouldn't have him, that your faith wouldn't fail. But he prayed for the collective body that there would be laborers in the field. That's what Jesus is standing up. So if Jesus is in the prayer request line, here's what he's saying. I'm just, would you just pray that there be laborers? Because I have a lot of people who come to listen, but nobody goes to the field. Let's just do the ratio. You want to do the ratio? Let's do the ratio. The Bible says one plants, another waters. But God gives the increase. What's the ratio? You know what the ratio is? One plants, another waters. The ratio is one to one. 
but not in the modern day church. The ratio is one to about 50. I just don't, can't talk to people, but I, I'll teach. I'll teach if you bring him, pastor, I'll teach someone. So what we've done is we've taken one seed and we saturated it with a whole bunch of water because nobody wants to be in the field. One plants, another waters. Let there be one teacher. In fact, there shouldn't be many teachers, but there should be many sowers. You want to do it right? We got to have everybody reaching one and we have somebody who teaches. <laughs> All right. And finally, you have to lead through diverse times. You got to lead when the economy is bad. You got to lead in giving. You got to lead in worship when your health is bad. You got to lead in faith when you got a lot of reasons to doubt. You got to lead in political environments when the politics are against the church. You got to lead in commitment when there's a lot of reasons not to be committed. You got to lead in you got to you got to lead in worship. Come on now. You got to lead in praise. You got to lead in thanksgiving when you don't have the warm emotional feeling in your heart. I will bless the Lord at all times. What, what time? All times. What day of the time? All times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Let me just ask you, how do you make God bigger? How do you magnify him? You cannot make him bigger because he's as big and great as he's ever going to be. But you can make him bigger in your own eyes. I made him bigger in my own life. Oh, magnify him. Let's just make him as big in our own eyes. He's as great as he's ever going to be. I'm going to lead in diverse times. I'm not going to wait till it's all good. Amen. Now we're talking about spiritual depth. The depth in the spirit, it's total and outright commitment to be sold out, to be fervent, to be devoted until everyone around you even feels uncomfortable about having any other subject than Jesus Christ. And I end with this. Paul wrote these words. Paul sat at the feet of uh, uh, Gilead. And he was a learned man. He was an educated man. He even said of himself, as touching the law, I was a zealot. If you're going to talk about position, I was a Pharisee. Paul was an educated individual. He could, he could hold his own with the philosophers on Mars Hill. He understood the ways of both Rome and, Jew, and the Jews. He had dual citizenship. He was a leader, perhaps even above the centurions. He had obtained letters from those in Antioch, which means that he knew the political arena very well. He argued before King Agrippa, even in the face of Festus, who really wanted to refute him and demean him. Paul knew how to handle both the antagonist and the hungry he even convinced the king and said, King Agrippa, I know that you believe. And King Agrippa said, almost, Paul, thou hast persuaded me to be a Christian. I'm just on the edge. Just a lot of things I can't give up. Paul, however, said, I determine to know nothing more than Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. He could approve a host of things and spoke, but he has determined. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about Jesus Christ. 
I want to talk about him crucified, how he rose from the dead. How about that kind of conversation? In all of our lips, in all of our voices. Amen. And all the people said amen. I'm so hungry for God. I'm so desperate for a move of the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus. I'm praying for a thousand souls. I want families. I want prodigals. I'm praying God make us a spiritual group of people. Help us to be what we claim to be. In Jesus' name, I pray. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, if we're playing games with this thing, Lord. Help us to be true and right in our hearts, our spirits, and our lives. Help us not just to proclaim our faith, Lord, but help us live it every day, Lord. Help us to be desperate. Help us to see the world that's lost. And we've got to reach the world, Lord. They are lost without you. We have it. I pray for the body, Lord, those that are here and those that are not here, not able to be here. I pray for all the church, Lord. Put a fire in our belly of fervency, Lord, to be spiritual and godly and let the kingdom of God invade every part of our life, Lord. I rebuke everything that would come against your kingdom, Lord. Lord, every spirit that would rise up, Lord, I pray against all fleshly matters and carnal things, Lord, that would afflict our families and our homes, Lord. I pray, Lord, let there be spiritual, godly grandfathers, grandmothers, fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, young adults, young married couples and children, Lord. Let us intentionally be purposed for the work of the kingdom, Lord, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, set this church on fire. Let the Holy Ghost fall, Lord. Let there be a fire of the Holy Ghost, I pray. Baptize us with the fire of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name, Lord. I pray, Lord, let a revival break out in this church like we've never seen before. Invade our schedules, Lord. Rearrange our lives, Lord. Let the spirit of time sacrifice overcome us, Lord. Overwhelm us, Lord Jesus, I pray. Lord, I don't want to be an organized church. I want to be a spirit-led church. I don't want to just have pragmatism, Lord. I want to have spirit-led churches, services, Lord, I pray. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would baptize us with a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost so that when we wake up in the morning, we've got the Holy Ghost on our mind. Let there be tongues in the house. Let there be interpretations in our bedrooms and our living rooms. Let there be prophecies break out, Lord. Help us to become a spiritual people, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would become spiritually deep in you, Lord. All we think about, Lord, are souls and the kingdom. All we think about, Lord, is how we can get closer to you. Not how we can compromise, Lord, but how we can make greater commitments before you, Lord Jesus. I pray against every worldly influence that will infect this body. 
Remove every infection, Lord, out of this body, Lord, so we can do the work of the kingdom, I pray. And I pray, Lord, for hungry, desperate people that want to be saved and want to be devoted and want to be consecrated, Lord. Hallelujah. You said... You said these signs shall follow them that believe. I pray right now, Lord, let there be miracles and signs. I pray, Lord, these signs shall follow them that believe. They're going to cast out devils. They're going to lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's your word, Lord. You said in the book of Mark chapter 16, verse 17, something's going to follow us. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, let there be miracles, signs, and wonders, Lord, that break out among the people of God. I don't know where you are, but I want you to know the Lord wants to restore you right here in this house. He wants to restore your life. God's going to give you back something that you lost. I just want you to lift up your hand right now and, and, and say it. I receive that, Lord. You're going to restore something that I've lost. He's in the restoration business. And out of your mouth, just begin to praise him. I praise you. I magnify you. I adore you. Don't be afraid if someone puts their hand on your shoulder. Let him do that. Let, let him pray for you around you. Don't be, don't be embarrassed of that. Let them pray for you. God is going to restore your life tonight. He's restoring something. I preach it right now. I prophesy. He will restore unto you the years that the locusts have eaten. He is the restorer of your soul. He's the lifter of your head. He's ready to restore your life. He's going to restore your home. He's going to restore your the things that you lost. God is going to restore you tonight. Just give me 10 minutes and just make this big room, this room a big prayer room right now. Just for the next 10 minutes. Just begin to call out on God wherever you are and reach out to God. Use your own voice. Jesus, I need you. I call on you, Lord. That's right. Just speak out. You can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost where you're standing right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Ikayaba sandaraba shatayaba. I pray put a fire in this house, Lord. I pray let there be a Holy Ghost fire, Lord. I pray right now, Lord Jesus, for everyone who cannot be here, let the Holy Ghost visit them wherever they are in their homes in their work, in their cars, in the hospital. I pray, Lord, let the Holy Ghost, I send forth ministering spirits, ministering angels, Lord. Let the same spirit be a part of the whole body of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you for watching today. If you would like to help us continue to deliver content around the world online, please consider making a donation. Head to newlifeterahoe.com and choose the giving option that works best for you. Have a great day.